0: Welcome, beautiful souls, I am Marcia C., the host of Her Sacred Soul Space podcast. In this safe space, we have discussions that ignite our hearts and expand our souls. This is a podcast dedicated to all women and is coined with spiritual and metaphysical aspects of evolving herself and aligning her purpose to her soul. Having a soul connection with oneself is the portal to life. And you can consider this podcast your stepping stone. There is a beautiful spark that occurs when goddesses embrace and empower each other's light. And that's what we are all about here on Her Sacred Soul Space podcast Her Soul Connection. Look out for new episodes with Soul Gems every second and fourth Fridays. And remember, see your light, be your light. Welcome, beautiful souls. It's Marsha C. And welcome back to another episode of Her Sacred Soul Space. How are you, soul seekers? Hope you're doing well. Sending you lots of love from my soul space to your soul space. So on this episode, I am being joined by someone who has played a huge role in my awakening and still continues to do so. She's a teacher, the owner of Gaia Wisdom School, a healer, an author, speaker, mentor, and a friend, but most importantly, one of the most beautiful souls I've encountered. So Soul Seekers, it is indeed my pleasure to welcome Dakota Earth Cloud Walker to our space and to your space. Welcome, Dakota. Thank you. What a great intro. I got goosebumps. Oh, man. (laughs) Listen, you're so beautiful. And listen to me, soul seekers. Let me share something with you that is written on the back of one of her book, just to let you know that I'm not lying. All right. I've been doing this work for a long time. I know it. I believe it. I breathe it. I am passionate about helping others to see and step into their innate power, to reclaim and excavate the buried wisdom within Thus set off and begin using it again. I help you to remember who you are. My passion seeps into everything I do and create. How could it not? I walk this path mindfully and some days I walk with pride and strength while other days I may trip and fall. All of it is a part of the journey and all of it is a part of who I am. I can be messy and brilliant and some days both. Come on now. Oh, my God. So authentic. So now you know why she holds such a huge space in my heart. And you really and truly do. You for me, too. Oh, my goodness. Thank you so much, Dakota. And I so Mm -hmm. thank you for your time. So I don't know about you, soul seekers. I'm ready to have some conversations of the soul. And of course, before we get into that, we are going to center ourselves. Dakota is going to take us into the opening of our space for that.
1: Let's teach your listeners how to do shaman mantras, which is a powerful way to do a very quick reset and to bring yourself very centered. So it involves taking your hands as if you're going to blow bubbles into the palms of your hands. And you're going to take a deep breath from the very bottom of your belly. You're going to bring that breath all the way up the channel. And as you exhale or before you exhale, you're going to say a mantra. Now your mantra has to be powerful. It can't be, "I am loved." It needs to be, "I am love." Loved means somebody else has to do it before we become powerful. So we reclaim our power right here. Whether you want to be joy, or powerful, love, whatever it is, so it's to breathe in, say your mantra, and then exhale forcibly into the palms of your hands. Okay. So Breathe breathe in. Breathe in. I am love. I am playful. I am brilliant. I am grateful. I am joy. I am connected. I am brave. Sit for just a moment. If you want, like a really good wake up call in the morning, you do ten to fifteen of these in succession. Start your day off with that. Wow. Very. It's simple. Ten minutes at the most, and it will shift everything in you. I really could feel it like the mm-hmm. vibration rising from the solar plexus yeah. coming
0: up. Yes. <laughs> it's kind of, you know, like when you drink the Red Rock ginger ale. <laughs> 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 Listen, it's like, that's what I'm feeling. It's like
1: that little burn, that sensation, but it's good. It's like, yeah. you know, it's good for you. Yeah. <laughs> wow. You know, I did it. I recorded a meditation once. Uh, it was a video meditation and it was me and two other people We were sitting in a circle in my living room and we were doing shaman mantras for 30 minutes and we all just about passed out. We were so high and we couldn't even feel our bodies. It was tingling so much like shamanic breathwork. I love it. Yeah. Yes, that was beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) So I don't know if you remember this
0: story. I think I've mentioned it to you before of how I found you. I don't know Uh, if
1: I have heard this story. Yeah, well,
0: it was like when I first started the class. Let me share it with you and the soul seekers out there. Yeah. (laughs) So I remember earlier in my journey, my awakening, I've had this huge desire of connection, this desire and this connection to shamanism. I didn't understand it. I didn't know what it meant. So I started Googling to try to find some information, but it wasn't resonating with what was coming up within my spirit. And so I remember I started praying because that's what I do normally. If I can't understand it, I just started praying. And I was actually anxious about it, too, you know, because I was like, what does this mean? Why am I having this feeling, this burning sensation? And plus, I was very much into movies like Merlin. And I know it was something connected to the Druid or the Celtic, you know, and I was mm-hmm. like, I need to find that. And so it, was, it took like almost a year, believe it or not. My not knowing that I still had a lot of shedding to do before of our encounter, Dakota. So <laughs> during that time frame, you know, there were days where I was down where I thought, is this teacher ever going to come in or what's going to happen? Mm-hmm. And then days where my belief was up and said, know it is because it's resonating too much within me. And I remember one morning I woke up and I was led to do a meditation. And so I went on YouTube and I just started staring at the search bar because I didn't know what to (laughs) search for. And it just came and say shamanic meditation. So that's what I did. And there I found you. And I had Mm -hmm. such a a great experience that afterwards when I came out of it, my first question was the spirit, like, who is that? And the (laughs) answer was, that's your next teacher. And I believe, girl, I'm serious, 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 serious. As a judge as we say in Jamaica, serious as a judge. I immediately <laughs> went over to Google and I looked you up. I looked for the school, the Gaia Wisdom School. I saw the courses and I was like, "Man, how am I going to do this?" And then I was like, "Oh, she has a payment plan." And I said, "Okay, let's do this." And so, I just <laughs> I just went for it and that has been one of the best decisions I've made on my journey and I'm really huh. grateful for that. You know, soul contract come together, like, honestly. So how are you feeling? How was
1: your day? Oh, my gosh. You know, I I live with one foot in each world, it feels like, because being an entrepreneur and a business owner, mm-hmm. you kind of have the hat on of fixing the tech things and doing the marketing and all that stuff, which I've been knee deep in today. And then my other foot's in where I love to be, creating content and things that can bring people back to really the core of who they are. Some days I have such a mixed feeling. Today was one of those days uh, dealing with my Instagram account got hacked. And it's just like all these things. And I'm thinking, man, can I just like go to an island and let people come? And then we'll just like powwow on the island. No computers, no (laughs) nothing. And then my rational mind kicks in and says, no, you need to market. You need to do this. You need to do that.
0: So I think something was going on today because honestly speaking, I woke up not I was not in that space. of Oh, everything is going to be great. I actually had thoughts of should I try to reschedule this? Is it going to work out? Am I going (laughs) to bounce back? Am I going to buzz because I'm not feeling like my true self? I just feel like and I spoke to another friend and he was saying, what's going on? He felt the same way, too. And I said, I really don't know. I thought we we're out of retrograde. I don't know what's going on here. Right I, now. <laughs> yeah, I
1: don't know. But it always gives me an opportunity to go back to, and you know this, Marsha, from being in the program. I teach primarily on the medicine wheel. And don't 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 give away too don't, much shit because we're going to go there. We're going to go there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we are still so going to go there. Okay. So let's do
0: this. Let's let's give them a soft introduction to shamanism. In for a lot of our soul seekers out there, this is new from for them. They're awakening mm-hmm. and it's new. they these feelings. So there may be someone out there like myself who's having the call for shamanism and really would like to to have someone to fully explain that from, from a perspective where it's
1: easy to understand. First of all, I, I practice shamanism, but I also practice druidry. And and I don't offer this all the time, but I do a little bit of witchcraft too. Mm-hmm. And so, and one of the, one of my goals for this week is to make one of those Venn diagrams, I think that's what it's called, where it's three circles and then you have that intersection in the middle. It's like where you can see three different thought philosophies coming together and there's things that maybe don't reach into the other parts of it, but there are common denominators that connect all of them. And so for me, the shamanism and the druidry and even the witchcraft, what really is connected in that middle part for me is the... Connection to nature, getting back to really the soul essence of Mother Earth and Father Sky, and living your life in a way that's a very mindfully driven, conscious, and aligned with the seasons and the planets and even the cycles of life. So shamanism dates back thousands and thousands of years. In almost every culture, there was either a medicine person or a shaman of that indigenous culture. And in, in those times, the shaman was the one who would help heal soul wounds. So they would bring back soul pieces or healing or insight or medicine from the animals, etc. And they would use that to heal somebody or to heal the tribe or uh, bring somebody back into their wholeness. And shamans for the most part were seen as kind of the seers. So they could travel between non-ordinary reality and reality. And I'll explain non-ordinary reality here in just a second. But that really became where they're the bridge between Father Sky and Mother Earth, right? So non-ordinary reality, there's three different worlds of non-ordinary reality. You've got the lower world, which is really think of the Earth with absolutely no humans. Wouldn't that be awesome? And then, and down there, it's just teeming with this very lush, beautiful, vibrant earth and all the animals, and it's so alive. And then you have the middle world, which is this world that we live in, but it's the spiritual side of it. So you've got your fairies, your nymphs, your nature spirits. You also have ghosts and spirits that have passed on, maybe have not gone all the way to where their final destination is because they're kind of stuck in limbo. And then you have the upper world which is really very celestial and has the akashic records and crystal caves for healing your archangels its colors you've never seen before it's very ethereal it's very light and up there it's just it's a place to go and reconnect back to the spiritual realms so that's what we call father sky and a lot of people wonder well am i just making this up this is all just in my imagination. And I always offer back that for thousands of years, tribes from all over the world, from every different culture, have explained or described the non-ordinary reality worlds in very much the same, similar way. And they didn't have Facebook back then. They didn't have phone phones to be able to text pictures or anything like that. They were deriving that information solely on their own experience. And when you have all these pockets of indigenous tribes all over the world who are experiencing the exact same thing, it's really hard to deny that that's truth. So that non-ordinary reality, the three worlds, they become places we can go to seek understanding or healing or to reconnect, plug back in, get answers for things. We can recover pieces of our soul. There's just a multitude of things that we can do when we journey to these non-ordinary realities. So that's shamanism in a nutshell. It's walking the path very consciously, very mindfully, and always being aware of what's below you and what's above you. You know, and, and a lot of a lot of religious cultures kind of take a step back from Mother Earth and disassociate themselves from nature and all of that. And they focus solely on the being in the sky. Above
0: us, yeah. Mm-hmm. Above us. Yeah.
1: And then you've got People who don't believe in any religion, who may just be so stuck in the mud that they don't recognize that there's anything beyond what they see right in their front of their eyes. Yeah. And so shamanism, druidry, and all of those, they kind of make that bridge between those two worlds and bring both the the compatibility and the importance of both of those back into harmony.
0: Wow. That's, you know, do you think that how we were raised, and culture plays a role in the mindset of us being more in the middle world versus wanting to, to connect with uh, the lower and even to go higher.
1: I think it's, it's culture and how we're raised. It's also the battle of the ego. You know, as humans, we, we come into this lifetime really for a set purpose. What am I here to do? What is my grand soul purpose? And for the first couple of years of life, there's still a tie-in to the spiritual world. Like you'll see kids usually under age of five if they've not experienced trauma at that point. If a child has not experienced trauma, then they will still be able to experience and see spirits very freely. But the moment that they begin to journey into this thing we call human life and we put on that bodysuit and we start labeling things and assigning roles to people and putting things into boxes of what we can do can't do who i am who i'm not who i can associate with who i can't associate with and what does mom and dad believe and what do my teachers say and pretty soon all of that really kind of authentic rawness gets really worn over and covered up. So because of that, the ego has to explain everything. And I'm not going to give it away, but in, in terms of the medicine wheel, the ego is very much in the east direction. So for a lot of people, and that's that's the birthing direction, and that's okay. where your childhood is. So a lot of people will stay stuck in that ego and begin to try to analyze everything. So let's say that they have a, a spontaneous vision. If they're not in line with their spiritual truth, then they will discount it or they'll analyze it. Well, I must have been just daydreaming or I must have been imagining or I'm in my head that didn't really happen to me or it's just because there's like some really, really weird lights out there. It's not really UFO or anything like that. And so we start discounting our experiences and the more that we do that, we squash our spirit. Yeah. Until we're really kind of living solely from that human perspective where everything has to have a very coherent, Explanation that our brain can understand. And science has already proven that we can only really access about what, seven to ten percent of our brain if that. And so there's all of this information and experience within us that we're not tapping into because we're putting ourselves in this cage, so to speak. Yeah.
0: It's kind of like you know, the same where I, I don't know if you've ever heard anyone say about like put in a Frog or cricket or something in a bowl in a jar, not knowing that it can jump out. You know, because of that limited mentality, the form of um, uh, emancipation is not a thought Mm -hmm. to become an action.
1: You know, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Or the frog in the boiling water that doesn't know that it's slowly dying. Yeah. You know, you you put somebody in corporate America, and that's a a good analogy for a lot of people who find themselves in corporate America and just kind of slowly getting the life sucked out of them without, and before they know it, they're, they feel like they're either too old or too invested or too whatever to make any significant change in their life. And so they remain stuck until they die. Yeah.
0: I know that can be a fight because I remember I used to fight with myself and thought that I was in my head when certain thoughts would come Mm -hmm. to me. And yeah, I would even say, man, you could write a movie. You could even write a book. Because some, <laughs> some thoughts just come to you, especially when in my shower. For some reason, the water did something, not oh, yeah. recognizing the connection of water. <laughs> and I would open this <laughs> up right back then. And so I used to just have these thoughts. And then at the same time, I used to say to myself, OK, stop thinking like that now. Stop thinking like that because you may be going crazy. You don't want to go that route. Not recognizing yeah. what was occurring <laughs> within me like, the call of me come jumping out of that jar, you know? <laughs> yes, 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 yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So you said something earlier when you were talking about shamanism and you also tap into a little bit of witchery. And so for many, that has a negative connotation. I remember in one of the classes, you know, I was taken back a little, but not completely because someone had previously told me that I was a Obya woman. And I was like, what? And for us in Jamaica, that also have a negative connotation, but it simply means a healer. It all depends on how you approach the craft and the intention behind it, you and the crowd, right? And so I had to, when I first heard, you know, and we have a witch uh, in the program, I was like, Jesus, Father. (laughs) As we just said to Jamaica, Jesus, Father, what is this, Lord? (laughs) But I knew, I, I felt safe. I felt same. So how can individuals who may find it to be a taboo? How can they see it as something not to be afraid of?
1: That's a great question because I feel like there's so much layering that has been done to discount the women who in the in the past have worn that cloak right of being a witch and even me like I'm still apprehensive to tell anybody that I Would consider myself like a Celtic witch because there's so many connotations about that that people have. And they'll immediately, without asking any questions, just discount who you are. But what I have to remind myself is that if I don't reclaim that word, then it's always going to stay the way that it is. But there are, just as there is in anything, there are good witches, there are bad witches, there's dark magic, there's white magic. And if you think about, you know, you go to a herbalist healer, in essence, they're a witch. If you go to somebody who's cleansing your house, they're a witch. There's, They may not identify it with it, but they're certainly doing practices that are steeped in witchcraft. And witchcraft really is when you set an intention or you do a vision board or you do something that's trying to solicit abundance, you're basically doing a spell. There's so many things that we do that are spells that we don't really associate it with witchcraft, but in essence, that's where it was derived from. How about prayer? Because I had that on my my thing. Oh, I love, I love (laughs) the topic of prayer.
0: A lot of people, especially, you know, in the church, because I came from that background, we may have a different approach to it. I'm always, dear God, please help me to such and such. It's like, it's like, make sure I acknowledge who you are, have reverence, and then I ask you for things. And then I felt Mm -hmm. like, it's the same as if I were going in front of a judge. I didn't like that feeling. I didn't. Yeah. I didn't like it because it's. It, it made me feel as if I was not connected as right. much as I should have. So I. I would love to hear your thought about it. Is it some way of creating a spell? Is it also connected to the intention behind it, or is it just something's mm-hmm. going to happen because it says so in the Bible, and I'm paying my ties, and you know this is supposed to go down <laughs> for me. <laughs>
1: Well, let me start and preface this with, I grew up in a household that was non-religious, but I became extremely religious. When my grandpa died, I was 12. From that point forward until I was 20, I was way deep in the church. I was Bible thumping, praying. I was trying to convert people to Christianity, all the whole nine yards. And the only reason I left the church was because I came out as being gay. Do I stay with God, Jesus, the church, or do I live my life how I feel is most congruent with me? But prayer, and I teach this in my course, as you know, I have a whole section on prayer and I'm always apprehensive when it comes to that week because I know the eyes that are going to roll at me because those <laughs> who walk in the spiritual path are like, I ain't going to do no prayer. That's like a religious thing. You can't be further from the truth. Prayer is about becoming the prayer itself. I love this story that, uh, this, this shaman took this man out into the bush. He was in, it was in Australia. The man wanted to, he wanted to know from a shaman's perspective of what was their interpretation of prayer. Shaman takes this guy out into the bush and they're hiking and hiking and hiking and hiking and get to this place where there's this big dirt patch. And the shaman says, take off your shoes. And he takes off his shoes. He takes off his shoes. And they go into this middle of this dirt patch. And he says, Now, imagine that this is turned into mud. Mm-hmm. And you've got mud coming through your toes, and you can feel the wetness and the stickiness of the mud. And now you feel this rain coming down. He wanted to know what the, the prayer dance was. The prayer okay. or, the, or the rain, the rain prayers. And he asked the guy, finally, he says, Do you Can you feel it? Can you feel the mud between your toes? Can you feel the rain hitting your body if you imagine it? He goes, yeah. He goes, okay, we're done. And they walk back. And the guy says, wait a minute. That's it? He says, you became the prayer. Prayer isn't praying for something because that always puts it always ahead of us. We're always chasing it. Mm -hmm. We're not praying to have something healed from the past because then we're focused on the past. But if we're right now in the present moment, and we become the prayer that we desire to see. So if I want to experience love, I need to become love. If I want to experience healing, I need to become the healer myself. If I want, uh, we did this as a global community uh, on one of my meditations. When Australia was under all those tremendous fires a few years back, we prayed right. rain. Yeah, We did pray for rain, we prayed rain. And it was monumental. And I'll... There was a couple of incidents. uh, I do Insight Timer. I'm a teacher on Insight Timer, and when I do these meditations, I usually have about two to three hundred people. You have that one on there. Yeah, I do have that one on there. Yeah. And there's two times that I've done a prayer type meditation, and one was for the Australian fires. The other one was for Ukraine, and it was when the war first started, and we were praying shields for the soldiers, for the Ukrainian soldiers, that the bullets wouldn't hit them, that they would Mm -hmm. just Whizz by. And somebody on that insight timer emailed me a couple days later. She says, you'll never believe what I just found out. This man that I know in Ukraine, uh, who is a soldier, emailed me out of the blue and says, I don't know what you guys are doing over there in America, but keep praying because it's almost as if, and these were his words exactly, it's almost as if the bullets won't hit us. They just keep going past us. Wow! And it was... And then and after we did the pray rain for Australia, and I'm not saying that we are the, you know, that group was the end all be all. But I think there's a lot of people when you get that collective energy moving. Right. It so makes we're one together. Yeah. And yeah, same
0: intention. Exactly. Um, same frequency. It amplifies. Yes. Yes.
1: Two. So it was like the very next day, Australia had the first rainstorm they'd had in a long time. Hmm. Coincidence, maybe, I don't know. But I'd like to think that there was some kind of pull towards, you know, and, and I don't know that it's just my group. What I do know is that when there's an idea or an inspiration, it kind of goes up into that upper soul, over soul, and uh yeah. we call it father sky, the source. And we're all tapped into that, hopefully. Right.
0: And it echoes. And so
1: it echoes. Yeah. Yes, so yes. the idea that I have isn't really necessarily my idea. It's the idea that I've gotten from the pool, and everybody else has gotten that idea, too.
0: Yes. So On yes. that
1: day that we prayed rain, there are probably hundreds of thousands of people who got that same call. Yeah. And all did the same thing.
0: I could see it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, I could see that.
1: There's a, a, an author, I hope I can remember his name, Klotz, is his last name, Daniel Klotz. He actually is an Aramaic translator. And he took all of the Dead Sea Scrolls, including the Lord's Prayer, and he, he transcribed it the best that he could. In Aramaic, each Aramaic word can have multiple meanings in English. And so he did all the different interpretations that could have been from those pieces. Mm -hmm. And they would be things that you and I would look at and be like, oh, my gosh, this like Rumi wrote that or Eckhart Tolle wrote that or some, you know, somebody in that spiritual realm. You wouldn't think that it came from the Bible. Wow. And that's how things have gotten so mistranslated that even the words aren't what they're meant to be.
0: Right. And and I see that as that's why you... Even the Bible said you have to know for thyself. So that's why you have yeah. to have that connection and to be yes. open to to receive it from a different, from a different avenue, not so be yes. closed off. And I find that sometimes that's what prevents us from even being the prayer, as you say. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, because we expect it to only come in this particular way. So with that being said, do you think that? Once we pray and once we become, we are the prayer, what should we, what essence should we carry with us? In other words, is it just that it's said and done, so move on and know that it's happening or do we then carry
1: that intention, you know? I think there's a little bit of both. I think there's there's value in letting go and letting it happen organically how it's supposed to happen. Mm-hmm. But there's also value in, let's say, for example, I'm praying for love in my life there's value in me actively seeking out to become love on a daily level like look for moments where i can exhibit love versus impatience or hate or frustration or overwhelm and if okay. i can direct my my thoughts that way i have much more control over the experiences that i have but i also become the magnet you know it's, it's uh, i learned this in kayaking and mountain biking And also in quantum physics, whatever you pay attention to is what you're going to create. Right. So if I'm paying attention to the overwhelm or the fear or the anger, I just keep creating that more and more and more and more. If I focus on the love that I want to become, then I become that love.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So true. So true.
1: Yeah. So
0: I know we want to touch the medicine wheel because I... I appreciate your time. So let's talk about balance and how mm-hmm. does... The, I know I have so many good stuff on this I want <laughs> to talk about. And I was like, this is not enough time. How does the medicine wheel come about to serve us to create that balance uh, in our life? Especially when we are starting out, you know? And yeah. for some of us that kind of are frustrated, not having s- such of a guide. How can right. the medicine wheel kind of help in the moment, in the meanwhile, I should say?
1: The medicine wheel for me is such a powerful framework and blueprint. And the, med- the concept of the medicine wheel, again, looks like shamanism, been around for thousands of years. And you see it like the <clears throat> Stonehenge and the Sacred Circles in Ireland, Scotland, Wales and all those areas. Native Americans have medicine wheels. There's a lot of different cultures, even in Africa. Where they have found remnants of these sacred circles that were used for, primarily ritual ceremony, but also as a way to kind of navigate through the cycles of life. Mm-hmm. So there are seven directions in a medicine wheel. You got your four cardinal directions: north, south, east, west. You have the center of the wheel. You have Father Sky and you have Mother Earth. Yeah. So if you consider that Mother Earth and Father Sky create a container, mm. and they hold, they hold the vision of that circle within those two places the cardinal directions represent really the different aspects of our life so the east direction is your mental body it's where we dream we have visions we take action we balance our checkbooks we take uh, we we have goals we do vision quests or vision boards Uh, we birth things it's our childhood it's the seed that we plant in life yeah. And then we move down to the South, and the South is very juicy. It's the emotional body, it's relationships, <laughs> it's imagination and creativity and passion and intimacy and vulnerability and playfulness and all those things that we love to just kind of roll around in in our everyday life. But we That's don't always. That's where puppy be. love comes from. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we don't always take time to be in the South direction because. Our society is built up around the framework of the East. Mm-hmm. Produce, succeed, have measurements that you can measure the quality of your success. How much money do you have in your bank account? How many titles do you have after your name? How many things have you done today and checked off your to-do list? That's all East energy, and we thrive on that in our culture. Right. And when, right. And when somebody goes down into the South direction and decides, you know, I'm going to play today. I'm gonna take the whole day off. I'm just gonna go out. I'm gonna lay in the sun. I'm gonna take a walk. I'm gonna watch some, you know, TV, I'm gonna whatever. And everybody's like, oh, well, you're not very productive today. And and they they discount it. And then th- that person is like, Well, I can't do that anymore. I've got to be more productive. And then you come over to the West Direction. And let me say South is nurturing. Okay. And the West Direction is all about death and rebirth, harvest, gratitude, forgiveness. It's the place that we come to, to look back and say, wow, this is why I'm here now. This is what I've accomplished. This is what I've gained in my life. This is what I don't like. This is what I do like. It's also the place of physical body. So there's a lot of physical, physical manifestation there. How you feel in your skin, how you feed your body, how you move your body, how you move about this world, your relationship to nature, other okay. people. Okay. And all of those things. So that's your harvest direction. Okay. And then in the north, you have your spiritual body, and that's where we go inward. We we shut off the entire world outside of here. And we go inward and we work with Father Sky and our spiritual team, our spirit guides, our power animals, whoever we have on that other side that's our advocate. And we start to kind of peel back those layers and ask those big, deep questions. Who am I? Yes. Why am I here? Mm-hmm. What is the meaning of life? What is the purpose of life? And if you don't have a spiritual practice that can hold that space for you, it feels very empty. And so think of the medicine wheel as a closed container of energy. And you have all of this energy swimming around in all these different directions. And I'll get to the center here in a second. If you have a, and I find this in the spiritual world, people who decide to walk a spiritual path will pull energy from the south or from the east and from the west. And they'll push it all into the north and the south. So if you have a balloon, if you push in on the sides, all that air is going to pop out and you have excess energy in both those directions. And then you'll be void of energy in the other two. Right, right. And vice versa. You have somebody who's very analytical, who has to have an explanation for everything. And they'll pull energy out of the north to substantiate that and then not have enough energy in the north to understand that you don't see everything that you feel. You don't see everything that you understand. So the perfect balance is when we can, yeah, go go balance your checkbook. Do follow your dreams by taking sacred action and not just waiting for God to put it in your path. You actually have to get out there and do the legwork. Yes. And then come down into the South and play. Take some time out and self-love and tend to your relationships, both to others and to yourself. And refuel yourself and nurture those dreams through that playfulness. And then we go to the West and we see what we've actually accomplished. And that's where we get to decide, what do I take forward and what do I leave behind?
0: Right.
1: And then when we go, go into the North, we ask those big questions. And then we come back around into the East again and we do it all over again. But once you get the balance in those wheels, you sit in the center, which I call the wisdom keeper. And that wisdom keeper space is how you live life authentically. I call it full spectrum living where you can in any situation say, oh my gosh, I'm experiencing this. I need this East energy. I need this North energy. Right? And you start to pull energy and you Mm -hmm. use it however you need it in that moment. And that's the goal in life.
0: When, what I learned as well is that it's okay if we have to go around the circle more than one time. Because oh, yeah. We, yeah, we may <laughs> miss something in one, in one direction and it didn't dawn on us until we're at the end and you're like, oh snap. Or you may even come upon a direction that you just are not ready to, to right. break open, to, to go well, into.
1: And you'll have the experience of all four directions in a single day, you'll have it in a single month, in a single year, in a lifetime. It's it's cycles, it's seasons, it's cycle of your day, it's the cycle of your life, it's cycle of the year. But in the truth of it is, is that as long as we're living a human life, yeah. you're gonna have moments in the center, and it's nice to be in the center for a little while. But quite frankly, it gets really boring <laughs> because everything's everything flows, everything's great, and after a while, it's like okay, I need a little friction in my life. And what the universe does, it comes and it upsets your apple cart and turns everything upside down. You'll have an experience in your life that will push you out of the center and into another direction because you have more to learn. As long as you're breathing, you're a student. You're
0: growing. Yes. Yes. I love that. As long as you're breathing, you're a student. Yep. That's indeed. Indeed. And I know uh, we have to also pay attention to once we are aware of Mm -hmm. certain aspect of each of the direction, whether there's have too much excess in the West or excess in the East. And, you know, we should also, I think, be mindful of those so so that we can see whether or not it's coming back up. This is a way of seeing what is being eliminated and what is also being balanced out. So you can either have it too much of it or too little of it. Correct? Yeah, exactly.
1: And right. you can also have simultaneously too little and too much in the direction at the same time because there's cause and effect. Right. Every time you have an experience, like let's, I'll give an example. In 20, late 2017, I had been sitting in the center of the medicine wheel for quite some time, like a few years. I had this beautiful retreat center in the Appalachian Mountains. I had a seven-year relationship, dogs, cats, you name it. It was the idyllic life. I even had a pet deer. And <laughs> followed me around in the woods. I mean, who gets that? There was something that was gnawing at me. And I, because I'd, I have taught the medicine wheel for so many years, I kept thinking, it's like, okay, universe is about to upset my cart. And it was me who upset it intentionally. I left my marriage. I left my retreat center. And I went on a year-long journey of just traveling America. And so for many instances, people would have like this knee-jerk reaction of, oh, that's great. Oh, that's horrible. When I was in it, I had the same thing. It's like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. I have like the freedom to go anywhere. You know, and and for uh, an adventurer like me, that was like being in a candy store. I didn't like this place. (laughs) I I could get up and I could leave. But then at the same time, I didn't have stability. I didn't have... Roots or anchoring. Right. So in the west direction, I had this excess energy of excitement because I could go anywhere. And then I had this deficit because I didn't have anywhere.
0: Yeah. Which would then lead to worry, stress.
1: And it creates like this very divergent puzzle, maze, if you will, Mm. in your medicine wheel. And then after a year, I kind of ironed it out and I was like, okay, this is, and I went through this entire metamorphosis. Now, if I had gone through that journey when I was in my early 30s, I would have been a basket case. Yeah. But because of where I was and the work that I've done, I knew what to expect when the apple cart got upset. And I welcomed it. It's like <laughs> every day it was like, OK, what's today going to bring? <laughs> <laughs> bring it on. <laughs> bring it on. I'm bring ready. it
0: on. Oh, wow. And Thank it was you. the
1: best journey of my entire life. I learned so much about myself. Yes. And, yes.
0: You know, I look forward to doing something like that. I think it's going to be international, though, but I really look forward in just taking mm. some time and just be in a space where I feel safe and just get to know me, get to meet yeah. people and just become one with nature, yeah. <laughs> with God. See him so much from different perspective, the wonders and the beauty. So. Yes. I
1: would recommend it to everybody at least once in your lifetime, even if it's a week or a month, to go with no, somewhere with no agenda.
0: Yeah. No
1: plans (laughs) and just let it kind of unfold. And sometimes that got really scary, but other times, most of the time, it was really life altering. I came back a very changed person. And I don't know at what point you joined the mentorship. I think it was after that. I had to rewrite all of my material because I was a different person. At a different understanding of the work. Yeah. I remember you sharing that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm grateful that you went on that journey
0: because that made you who you are now. And and, you know, that's one of the things I love about you, the fact that you're open to sharing your story, you know, so that others realize that you're not alone and you don't have to be perfect. Uh, Exactly. So, yeah. And thank you for being with us and sharing and talking and engaging in conversations of the soul i uh, have so many other questions so you know that I means know. you have to come back again <laughs> i would love to It
1: be yes. never long enough because there's just so much
0: or so yes stuff. Yes. and so interested uh, soul seekers don't r- forget to do that mantra that you learned at the beginning take that as your soul gem try to do it daily yeah. and uh, share with us how you feel. How your how how does it change your day? How does it change yeah. your perspective?
1: We look forward to hearing about your conversations of the soul. When you're doing the shaman, I do this when I'm in like a big box store, like Walmart, mm-hmm. and you start to feel like you're getting attacked by energy. Mm-hmm. I'll go through Walmart with my my palms up to my breath, but I am safe. I am protected. Mm. You can do it anywhere. It's like a first aid kit. Oh, thank you for sharing that. Yes. Yeah. And I also like to do them in the mornings in the shower. And you mentioned it. Water is a great conductor of energy.
0: Of energy. Yes, indeed. So So. you
1: you can do it in the morning, do it in
0: the shower. That's your go-to whenever you have in a panic attack. Your go-to whenever you want to tell somebody off in... You really don't want them to steal your energy, do that. Okay, girl. (laughs) don't let them steal your energy. So utilize this tool. And Dakota, thank you so much for spending time with me and sharing Um, your space with me. And Soul Seekers, we will connect again. And until then, one love, be safe. Thanks for listening. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode. I would be honored if you could share this episode with a friend, subscribe, rate, and review. Don't forget to join us every second and fourth Fridays for another exciting episode of Her Sacred Soul Space podcast. I'd love to hear your comments. You can always find me on Facebook or YouTube as Her Sacred Soul Space. Until then, one love and don't forget, see your light, be your light. Megan.